This might be the most important hour room update since the Medic update in 2018. On August the 18th, 2022, Google announced a new hour room update called the Helpful Content Update. In our opinion, it might be the biggest update since Medic and very similar to Panda, which devastated website rankings in 2011 and 2012. My name is Dale Davies, head of marketing at Exposure Ninja, and I'm temporarily stepping in for Tim, who has quite the croaky throat this week. With the update rolling out as I record this, we find it'd be best to put out a podcast as soon as possible, uh, rather than waiting for Tim to be better. Now you're probably asking yourself, what is the helpful content update? And will my website be affected? By the end of this episode, I'll explain what it is, how your content creation process might have to change, and what you should do if your rankings have dropped. Welcome to the Exposure Ninja Digital Marketing Podcast. So what is the Helpful Content Update? Announced on August 18th, 2022, the Helpful Content Update is intended to reduce the volume of low quality content in Google search results. Google has always actively worked towards improving the quality of its search results so that people continue to trust it and use it. With low quality content in the mix, it's hard for Google to keep bringing people back and hopefully get them clicking on search ads. They also want to stop people pogoing. Now, pogoing is how we describe the action of you searching for something, finding it pretty useless, and bouncing back to the search results to try another page. The helpful content update will be an algorithm update that sits within the core algorithm, meaning it will continuously run and check your website for low quality content. But what does low quality mean in the eyes of Google? Fortunately for us, they've given us all the answers we need in documentation released during their initial announcement. But before we go on to that, we need to talk about how the algorithm is going to classify your website. The new ranking signal is a classifier. What that means is it's going to give your entire website a classification based on all the content you post. If you have 100 pieces of content and 10 of them are low value, they're not going to derank just those 10. No. What they're going to do is classify your entire website as a producer of low quality content. Ow. Now that's going to hurt. Right. Back to the documentation. The helpful content update is an extension of the product review update, which launched in 2021. The product review update was focused on reducing the amount of unoriginal, aggregated and lightweight reviews and search results. Um, I'm pretty sure you've seen a fair few of those. You open a few pages and you notice that all they're saying pretty much the same as each other. Then there are review sites that clearly they haven't seen the products and they're only writing about them so they can stuff in a link to their Amazon affiliate account. Google wanted to cut back on that as well. So Google wants websites to link to a bunch of different e-commerce stores rather than just Amazon. So you have the choice between going there or AO or Very or Appliances Direct, who knows. Um, thousands and thousands of websites were affected by the update. Google's engineers, being rightfully pretty chuffed themselves, are taking the lessons learned from that to other subject areas. And in the documentation, they're focused on two areas. Focus on people-first content and avoid creating content for search engines first. But what does that mean? Google wants content creators to focus less on search volume and more on helping people. Google doesn't want you to write a blog post because you've seen that that search query you're trying to rank for has an average of a thousand searches per month. Google wants you to write a blog post because the search query is typed by every one of your customers before they buy your products or services. They then provided 15 questions you or your content writers need to answer before committing to any new content or revising older content, which I highly recommend you do at least annually. 
Now, question one is, do you have an existing or intended audience for your business or site that would find the content useful if they came directly to you? So if you sell protein powder, write about nutrition, not the history of the Olympic Games. Is the history of the Olympics interesting? Absolutely. Is it useful to someone trying to find the best protein powder for that lifestyle? Not so much. If your audience is not going to be better educated about what you sell after reading the content, do not write it. Glenn Gabe, who's a SEO consultant at Highly Rate, put it best when he said, stay in your lane. So write about what you know, write about what you do or sell. Write answers to the questions your customers ask at the beginning of your sales funnel. The next question is, does your content clearly demonstrate first-hand expertise and a depth of knowledge? For example, expertise that comes from having actually used a product or service or visiting a place. The product updates state that you should review a product you haven't used. Uh, you shouldn't review a book you haven't read. You shouldn't review a movie you haven't seen. With the helpful content update, it's similar. Don't write about a subject you're not qualified to. Don't write about a subject you don't have direct experience with. And don't write about a subject you aren't deeply knowledgeable about. If you're qualified to, directly experienced with, or deeply knowledgeable about those subjects, then write away. If not, then you have to consider whether you should write that content at all. But what if you're not the one writing your content? What if you're using external writers, like an agency like us, like Explosion Ninja? Outsourcing is absolutely fine when you have the right writer. You just need to make sure that they're qualified, that they're directly experienced. And if not, then they need to fit into that third category of deeply knowledgeable. They need to eat, sleep, and breathe the subject matter. I'm super fortunate to work with an entire team of writers who fit into that category. They're super hyper-focused and hyper-fixated on the subjects they're writing about. So much so that I've seen them make clients go completely speechless because of how well our writers can talk about their industry. I've seen our writers attending client industry conferences because they're so invested in learning more about it to be deeply, deeply knowledgeable about it. If your writer is a genuine enthusiast about your industry and the subjects you're writing about, I don't think you need to worry. It's the unresearched, badly written, generic content that Google is trying to shut down. Next question. Does your site have a primary purpose or focus? So is the primary purpose of your website to promote your business? Brilliant. Is the primary purpose of your website to earn traffic to then shield ads and affiliate links to? Well, it's not so brilliant. Google wants the internet to be a better, useful place. This algorithm update is Google taking deeper, direct action to make it so. Question number next. After reading your content, will someone leave feeling they've learned enough about the topic to help achieve their goal? So i.e. don't write content that's not satisfactory. Don't make people go back to the search results to find a better written, better researched page. It's a matter of good customer service, really, for Google. If your content isn't the best answer to a question or the best solution to a problem, Google isn't going to rank it at the top of the search results. Question five, will someone reading your content leave feeling they've had a satisfying experience? Well, this is another anti-pogoing check. Does your content solve a problem? Does it solve or answer a question? Is it direct and to the point, or is it filled with so much fluff that people feel stupider after reading it? What constitutes as a satisfying experience is going to depend on your industry, but it's mostly going to focus on making your content the best it can be. And that means as little fluff as possible. It's about making your content easy to engage with too, meaning that it should be easy to read, rather than being a sensory overloading experience. Next question. Are you keeping in mind our guidance for core updates and for product reviews? So within this question, there are links to their guidance, which I highly recommend you read. Uh, but the general gist can be summarized in the following 10 points. And they're key 
to getting your content ranking at the top of Google. So if you're taking notes, use a bright highlighter to mark these up. One, content should be original. Two, content should be well-researched. Three, content should reference supporting material. Four, content should be insightful and not just an observation. Five, content should feel like a comprehensive answer to a query. Six, content should be expert-led, authoritative, and trustworthy. And I recommend it if you're not really sure what that means, I suggest looking at our blog post, what is EAT, so expert-led, authoritative, and trustworthy, by going to Google and typing Exposure Ninja, what is EAT, and you'll see a fantastic blog post all about that. Seven, content should be well-presented and free of grammatical and spelling errors. Eight, content should be embellished with appropriate multimedia content. Nine, content should be so good people want to bookmark it or share it. And the last one, number 10, content should be accessible across any device. One simple test I like to do for content is this. Would I feel comfortable getting CEO approval of this content if I showed it to them on my phone? It needs to be easily accessible. On the phone is a great representation of that. Your CEO knows your industry pretty darn well. So I should know if it's well-researched, insightful, expert-led, and so on. There's a quote um, from Matt Cutts, a former head of web spam for Google, that I've included in my blog post about the helpful content update. And that's linked in the show notes. It's also accessible at exposureninja.com forward slash blog. Or you can Google Exposure Ninja helpful content update and it'll come up there too. And this quote captures this perfectly. Quote, take a fresh look and basically ask yourself, how compelling is my website? We're looking for high quality. We're looking for something where you land on it. You're really happy. The sort of thing where you want to tell your friends about it and come back to it. Bookmark it. It's just incredibly useful. End quote. That quote is from July 2012, 10 years ago. For 10 years, Google has been telling us what they want from content creators. Unfortunately, for some now deranked websites, it doesn't look like everyone was listening. And that's the point of the questions from the focus on people first section. Is your digital marketing underperforming? Has your website disappeared from Google's rankings? Does your PPC cost per click keep getting more and more expensive? If you've answered yes to any of these questions, then I've got great news. Submit your website for a free website and marketing review, and we'll show you exactly how to get your digital marketing the kind of ROI that rockets businesses into the stratosphere and win some global search awards, which you can also see ExposureNinja.com. To request your review, go to ExposureNinja.com forward slash review and fill out the brief form there. Now back to our regular programming. Avoid creating content for search engines first. A pretty clear instruction from Google. But how? The next question is, is the content primarily to attract people for search engines rather than made for humans? So are you writing for a problem your customers have or are you writing through a thousand searches your keyword research tool of choice says you might be able to grab? If it's the former, great, you've passed Google's test. If it's the latter, take caution. It's absolutely fine to prioritize content creation based on the volume of traffic you might hope to gain, but that content has to fit into your customer's buyer journey. If the person reading the content isn't ever going to buy your widgets or whatever it is that you sell, then you probably shouldn't be publishing that content. On to the next question. Are you producing lots of content on different topics in hopes that some of it might perform well in the search results? Now, if you write about finance, 
don't write about freehold versus leasehold property, leave that to a mortgage advisor's website. If you're writing about legal affairs, don't write about performance management techniques. And yes, that is a real example. Performance management techniques should be covered on HR services or HR SaaS website, not on a legal website. The only time that the two subjects should cross over is when it's a legal HR issue, such as your legal right to dismiss staff. In my blog post, again, linked in the show notes, I include a great example of how about.com used to write about hundreds of subjects. And eventually they split all those subjects to be covered by standalone domains, which absolutely dominate the search results today, including verywellhealth.com, verywellfit.com, verywellmind.com, He's spotting a trend, I guess. I wonder if you can guess the next one. It's about family. Yep, verywellfamily.com. They have lifewire.com for tech news and reviews, thebalance.com for finance and several others. Um, each domain is singularly focused, so it's expertly written and peer-reviewed too, and each one ranks incredibly well as a consequence. Unless you're the marketing for manager for Wikipedia, your website doesn't need to cover so many subjects, so you really should be avoiding trying to do so if you can. Next question is, are you using extensive automation to produce content on many topics? So this is the question that has a lot of people worried. People are hearing automation to produce content and panicking. There's a lot of interest in AI copywriting software within the marketing industry, and they're incredibly useful for doing content at scale. We use AI copywriting software here at Exposure Ninja 2 but we're using it in the complete opposite way to the question. So let's look at it again. Are you using extensive automation to produce content on many subjects? Extensive automation and many topics. Google's trying to shut down websites that produce hundreds and thousands of pages of content for the website using copywriting software. They're not trying to shut down copywriting software. The problem isn't the tool, it's how it's being used. So we use copywriting software as a writing aid. So you're stuck for a blog topic idea because you've written about it 50 times already. Enter the topic into your tool and beep boop. There you go. There's a new idea you've not thought of yet or put in a new way. Have lots to cover and you want to find the right way to frame your content within an article or a blog post. You can use an outline suggester to help you put things in a possible order. Content generation should be original, well-researched, insightful, expert-led, authoritative trustworthy. Dropping a few keywords into a copywriting tool and then publishing the 2000 words it spits out isn't going to be that. Again, Google wants us to cut out excessive automation and content on many topics. If that doesn't sound like you, then you should be fine. So there's only a few more questions to go. Are you mainly summarizing what others have to say without adding much value? Now that's pretty clear. Are you correlating information or are you adding insight? You can absolutely include what others have said in your content. In fact, Google loves it when you reference and link back to other relevant pages. What they're opposed to is when your entire content is only correlated content. They want content that's insightful, not just an observation. If you're going to utilize content or opinions from other websites, whether that's thought leadership or research data and the findings, you have to expand on it and add you or your business's insights and expertise. Next question is, are you writing about things simply because they seem trending and not because you write about them otherwise for your existing audience? Hopping on trends is fantastic for earning traffic and increasing brand awareness. What Google doesn't want is websites publishing content that's only created to exploit the trend and earn traffic. Again, Google wants websites to post content that their audience is going to find useful as part of their user or buyer journey. Jumping on trends can be incredible for establishing your expertise on the subject or industry, so I highly recommend it as a brand awareness building tool. 
Just don't do it because it's easy traffic. Does your content leave readers feeling like they need to search again or to get better information from other sources? Don't make people poco unless you sell pogo sticks, of course. Uh, the, the content at the top of Google should be a clear answer to a question or a solution to a problem. If your content doesn't match that requirement, it won't rank at the top. It's simple. You have to know your audience and what the problems are and then create content for the queries they're guaranteed to search for. Some queries are going to need a short, concise and informed answer, so write it. Others are going to require a long and in-depth answer. Write that. Write with intent. Write to help people. Next question is, are you writing to a particular word count because you've heard or read that Google has a preferred word count? And they say, no, we don't. It wouldn't surprise me if you thought that there was a minimum word count for content. SEO specialists have been recommending a minimum word count of 500 words for at least a decade. Then data told us that the top ranking pages all had at least a thousand words, so everyone expanded their content. Then the minimum increased to 2,000 words. Well, I'm here to tell you that the minimum is now 5,000 words. Just kidding. The minimum word count to rank at the top of Google is however long it takes to answer the question. If the search query is complex, answer it deeply. If the search query is simple, answer it simply. Feature snippets, which are those short text answers you see at the top of Google for searches like who invented the Frappuccino, are one of Google's ways of countering this fixation SEOs have had with word counts. If the answer should be 100 words long, then the content should be 100 words long. So second from last question is, did you decide to enter some niche topic area without any real expertise, but instead mainly because you thought you'd get search traffic? Well, to repeat Glenn's maxim, stay in your lane. Don't write about subjects who don't have expertise, qualifications, experience, knowledge, or deep-rooted topic enthusiasm to do so. And if you don't have any of those, I can highly recommend our content marketing team who always develop a deep-rooted topical enthusiasm for every industry they work in, and we've pretty much worked in them all. As a last question is, does your content promise to answer a question that actually has no answer? So are you suggesting there's a release date for a product or a movie, a TV show when there isn't one confirmed? Now, this one might not affect many of you, I shouldn't think, but let's say Disney announces a new Star Wars movie. Let's call it Star Wars Darth Jar Jar. There's no precise date announced, no cast confirmed yet. There's really very little to go on, if anything at all. So what do entertainment websites do? They published an article with the following title. Star Wars, Darth Jar Jar. Release date confirmed. Actor coming back? Question mark? It's a fabrication. They know nothing more than what was announced in the press release. So they expand the info that they have with paragraphs about what Star Wars is, when it was bought by Disney and for how much, which Star Wars films and TV series have been released lately, how much or how little the last few releases have grossed internationally, and so on. They throw in a few, you won't believe what they look like now, photos of the actors from the prequel trilogy, and there you go, you've got yourself an article. Very little substance, mostly clickbait. Whatever it really takes to get a bit of that organic search traffic and uh, a chance to show some ads to people. Again, this will mostly apply to the entertainment industry. But if you do sell products from other companies and there's a big hype train around them, let's say, say you sell Air Jordans or something, or Yeezy's trainers, I don't know, you might want to avoid repeating the same content creation pattern. Be factual, be specific, don't embellish too much. Now, 
I have a couple of things to cover before we look at what you need to do about how you create your content or how to recover from any drop you might have had. The first thing is this algorithm is always running. They'll find your low value content and they're going to classify it. New site or website, that classification is awarded straight away as soon as they find that content. But once the classification is awarded quickly, an adjustment or removal of a low quality content classification is going to take time. Broadcore updates, and that's a big update to the main algorithm essentially, they only happen once a quarter, more or less, sometimes longer, sometimes less, but mostly, mostly every quarter. If you're hit by one and your ranking drops, we typically expect the website won't rebound from that drop until the next Broadcore update. And from what we understand, it's going to be the same with this update. If your website receives a low quality content classification, you might be waiting three to six months to see any change in that classification and ranking. Unfortunately, the algorithm being machine-based, it's going to make mistakes. So some websites are going to get unfairly mistreated and deranked by the helpful content update. And in some really, really unfortunate cases, it's going to take some sites six to 12 months or longer to turn things around. So this is what you need to do about your content, whether you're affected immediately by the update or not. One, review your content process. Make sure every piece of content you create passes the questions Google has provided. Number two, review how automation is used within your content. Automation is good for guidance and speeding up the process. Automation shouldn't be the process. Three, review who's creating your content. You need someone who's either an expert in their field, qualified to write about your field, or has direct hands-on experience in your field. If they don't fit into either of these three categories, then they need to fit in magic category number four. They're deeply knowledgeable and enthusiastic about your field to the point that they could pass for an employee within your business. Now it's completely possible. I see it every day in our content marketing team. They are incredible writers and they know their stuff. The fourth thing is you need to review where your content is coming from. So is your content automated? Is a tool doing all the work? Are you using a vendor for your content? Do they pass the same checks and guidance? Or are they sourcing their content from low quality content farms that will churn out a 500 word blog post for only five quid? And they exist, trust me. You are gonna need to check. If you're not doing plagiarism checks yet, today is the day you need to start as well. And the fifth thing is review who's peer reviewing your content, if anyone. Now, I totally, totally understand if you don't have anyone peer reviewing your content yet. With all the things involved with getting like all your marketing done, peer reviewing can often get skipped over. Peer reviewing might just be you reading the content your vendor or someone in your team has done much more thoroughly than before, but it needs to be done now. It's something that became more important after the medic update and the introduction of EAT, this expertise, authority and trust, um, which again, if you're not sure what medic or ETA, you can check the show notes and there should be links there. If not, Google Exposure Ninja Medic Update and Google Expose Ninja EAT and both of those two things will come up. The sixth thing is review how your content appears on the search result page. So does your title say one thing, but your content says another? 
then the clicking search user is going to be confused and pogo out there. They're going to go to another result. Clickbait and misleading titles are the reason that Google rewrites so many titles in the search results. So if you check your own pages and search results and the page title you wrote isn't appearing, that's because Google doesn't like it, doesn't think that it matches. Google rewrote it because they wanted the title to match the content or they wanted it to match the search query, which could still happen if you write a good page title, but we're trying to avoid it as best possible. Either way, your page titles need to match the searcher's intent, which means your content needs to match search intent as well. The most important of all of the, those points is review your content process. So if you check our blog post, so just Google Exposure Ninja helpful content update and go straight to the summary, which you can uh, click to in the table of contents, you'll see that I've summarized all of these questions into 10 easy to follow checks. I mentioned them earlier and I asked you to highlight them if you haven't yet. Here's your opportunity once more. Is your content original? Is it well-researched? Does it reference supporting material? I does it link to it. Is it insightful rather than just an observation? Does it feel like a comprehensive answer to the query? Is it expert-led, authoritative, and trustworthy? Is it well-presented and free of grammatical and spelling errors? Is it embellished with appropriate multimedia content or just video ads for the sake of having video ads is it so good that people want to bookmark it or share it is it accessible across any device if you can answer all those questions with a strong yes uh, then you probably don't need to change anything at all but if you're worried that you have low quality content on your website or your website ranking has dropped since the algorithm update was launched then you do have three options in front of you however before you choose one i want to give you one piece of advice be patient. It's going to take two weeks for the update to roll out. And if it hasn't finished rolling out yet, then it's possible that you're going to be fine. Or any hit you've taken so far will hopefully be reversed shortly. If you're super lucky, then the next big update won't be for three to six months from when the rollout finishes. And that's what we've come to expect with the broad core updates. Or Google will recognize they've made some mistakes and they'll deploy corrections within the next few weeks. But for now, let's be patient, as painful as it may be. So now onto your options. Option one, find your deranked content and improve it. If you've seen your trapped keyword syncing or your search impressions of Google Search Console have dropped overnight, you'll know which pages have been affected. Logic would say that uh, the pages with the biggest drops will be the lowest quality. So false flags aside, once you've found them, you'll know what to do next you need to check them against our questions are they original are they well researched and so on once you know start rewriting them but not before checking how long the content really needs to be if you've not had any deranked pages then your next option is option two so find your low value content and improve it so how do you find this low value content main thing you want to do is check your analytics software so the content with the lowest duration times typically are your lowest quality content so now some of your content might be purposefully short so remember simple topics need simple answers but you'll know which your pieces should have much longer reading times you wrote them or you've seen them you know they're thousands of words they probably should take 20 minutes 30 minutes to read and they're getting two minute uh, reading times isolate those and check them against the guidelines and the original check next question well researched check and so on keep going until all your content is checked and all your content is improved. Or you've got option three, which is find your deranked or low value 
or you have option three, find your deranked or low value content and remove it. If you have low quality content, it's not a crucial part of your business's sales journey. You could just remove it. If your customers are no worse off not seeing the content and just get rid of it. You can keep the content and no index it, but that doesn't come recommended by Google's John Mueller, who quite rightly points out the content that isn't good enough to be indexed in the search results probably isn't good enough for your website's vistas either. So why have it at all? Um, it's hard to disagree with that logic, but there is uh, a secret fourth option. Option four, secret option four is all of the above. Do all the things. One, find your deranked content and improve it. Two, find your low quality content and improve it. Three, find your deranked or low quality content and remove it. Google wants the internet to be a better place, a better place for learning, a better place for knowledge. And it wants your website to be that too. It wants it to be a better place for learning, a palace of learning, or just an easier route to your services or products, whichever way you want to look at it. Whichever choice you make, you have to improve the content you have. Google site-wide classification means that your low quality content is going to make it harder for your high quality content to rank. So you can't afford to not revise it. You wouldn't sell a dud widget or lackluster service. So don't sell a dud website. So what's next? Well, a lot of watching and waiting. It's still the first week of the rollout and we're still watching things unfold. Everything kind of points towards this being a seismic event, an algorithm update for the history books. But it could just affect a few recipe websites and that's it. Time will tell. Being patient is going to be key. If we continue to follow a human first approach to content creation, as we've always done here at Expression Ninja, then we shouldn't have much to fear at all. If you're always putting people first and not robots, no fear. We'll be keeping an eye on everything around the helpful content update as it plays out across global search results. And we'll be updating our blog post, which again is linked in the show notes uh, with any additional information we uncover along the way. But you can also sign up for a mailing list. You go to our website, ExposureNinja.com, and at the top, there's a button there that says Get Weekly Marketing Tips. Click on that, fill out the information, and we'll update you with more info as it, when we get it. But the main thing is to follow those suggestions, the guidance from Google. So do check the blog and go straight to the summary, and everything is tightly packed there for you to follow. Copy and paste that guidance into your content creation process. Just cross-reference it, double-check are we following all these things, and if you do have low quality content, it's time to sit down, prioritize the ones that are important to you and work through them as and when you can. If this podcast has been useful to you at all, please do share it with your marketing and business friends, especially the blog post. I think it's incredibly important that everyone knows that this algorithm update has happened because I don't think everybody's aware just yet. And of course, do tune in next week for returning and very missed Tim. Thanks for your time, friends, and ciao for now.